Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Now, it's time for our virtual Friday morning coffee break. Delighted to welcome three good friends of the Limerick Today show, um, if not in the studio, then on the line, uh, wedding planner Sharon McMeal, uh, businesswoman Helen O'Donnell and uh, Leo Connor of so many different dispensations. I could be here all day, uh, but uh, obviously a stalwart of Gaelic Games himself. And uh, you're all very welcome. Um, Good morning uh, to you. Um, So, the obvious place uh, to start, uh, Sharon, is the impact of uh, the next phase of reopening not happening as it was supposed to this Monday, the 20th of July, and delayed now until at least the 10th of August. Do you think brides and grooms, grooms-to-be have got caught by uh, this change? No, that's OK. They have. I'm, yes, uh, Joe, I definitely think they have. Uh, I mean, I was only... Out in in a hotel a, a few days ago, and they had a wedding coming up uh, next week of eighty six people. Um, so a lot of people had either decided to hold off and go ahead with their um, weddings in July and early August, or they had rescheduled them for the new date. Mm. And had they taken into account the numbers, or were they anticipating the increase to two hundred indoors? They were they were anticipating an increase of up to a hundred indoors, and um, it's devastating for 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 everybody to to have this happen again. I mean, you know, it, it we're taking the advice from the right people, and they're doing the best for everybody. But it's such an emotional thing with weddings, and there's so much attached to them that it is it's devastating for people to now know that they can't go ahead with those over the next few weeks, and that they will either have to look at bringing the numbers down to bring it under the 50 or they will have to look at rescheduling it again. Mm. Um, uh, Helen O'Donnell, what do you see as the impact of this uh, pause or setback or whatever you're having yourself? Helen? Hello, sorry. sorry yeah, what, 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 what's your view of the impact? Oh, the impact is it's, it's devastating for businesses um, and um I suppose, you know, we have to be realistic and follow the guidelines, but it is really, really tough because you have places, large hotels in city and county of Limerick who can hold many hundred people and they're incredibly restricted now. So it's 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 really, really, really tough decision to go on another two weeks. But the other piece of it is, you know, I think people have become a bit complacent. This has not gone away. We've got to be so, so, so careful. And um, this is something you don't want to get. And, you know, if you have a major event and it has then become an event where people um, get coronavirus, you know, I think you know, these are things you have to think about. But mm. it, it's devastating for the industry, devastating for people who have um, invested hugely in their businesses. Um, because, you know, things were so good at the beginning of this year. People have fantastic diaries. And then it's just completely to be wiped this stuff. And then the other side, you have um, brides and grooms and families who, you know, such a major event in their lives. And um, they just probably can't see past that now, you know, at this, at this time. So yeah. it's really, really, really hard. Yeah, I mean, interesting enough, and I've said this uh, in the show already this morning, a front page of one of the national papers is Garrod Whelan, a publican in Newcastle West, um, uh, saying, I'm going to open my pub uh, this Monday um, at uh, 11 o'clock. And whatever you think of, about the individual decision that somebody like that might make, it is representative of enormous frustration now, particularly by publicans. Yeah, 
It is. And, you know, I think for rural Ireland, um, it's really, really, really tough because that um, is the, the, you know, pubs in rural Ireland are social outlet for so many people. Uh, only a small number of people go in. Many of them, you know, I feel, and I was thinking about this over the last couple of days, that they probably, for the first time in their lives, as they're getting, getting the, po- the COVID payment, have money in their pockets. Because these guys aren't making money. They're being run by, in a lot of cases, older family members who are being supported by younger family members. But, you know, once they close um, and once that person uh, stops um, working, those businesses may not continue because viability is very hard um, to see in terms of, you know, commercial business. So I think it's uh, for rural pubs, I'm, you know, really, really um, heartbroken because it's another three weeks. But we have to look at the fact that this has not gone away and we are people, we have very vulnerable people and this is something you do not want to get. Uh, Leo, Connor, what do you make of it all? It's a difficult one, Joe. Um, my thoughts would have been maybe two, three weeks ago when they initially opened up the pubs and restaurants that um, that they could have opened up the rural pubs then because I think that it wouldn't have caused congestion above around Dublin, which led to a lot of panic. But the main problem, I think, Joe, is regards to the whole thing that the clarity um, didn't get the information out there. It's a very difficult thing to police, Joe, when you look at pubs opening up. Just say... Different people have different agendas when they go into books. Some people like to go in and sit down and have a, have a drink or two and just stand up and go home, Joe. But then what happens when you're inside in the pub when you have a person who goes in and stands up and has four or five pints and next thing decides to have two or three whiskeys and is falling around the place? <laughs> and then social distancing goes out the window. It becomes very hard for the public and it becomes very hard for everyone. It becomes very hard for people inside in the pub. So in terms of clarity, Joe, I think maybe that I would have been in favour two, three weeks ago when they did open up the pubs, the pubs serving food, that they opened up the rural pubs because I don't think it would have led to the congestion that happened around the country, especially around city venues like and, Dublin. And, and Leo, you know. maybe you can answer a question I've been asking people pretty regularly this week. What to you is the difference between a pub that serves a substantial meal, as it's called, and one that doesn't? I suppose so. That's down to tradition, Joe. You know, like a lot of the a lot of the restaurants now have their are their foot. They're all fully licensed. So, like certain places around them, like you know, you like don't want to mention places, but like somewhere like the Lock Bar, which was a pub, has and has really turned into a restaurant now, as such. And you know, all the seats across the road and the river, it's absolutely fantastic. It's probably one of the benefits now of having a place like the Lock Bar in Limerick, and it's a it's a superb venue, but. Um, like the small rural pub, like what were you going to get in a small rural pub if they decide to serve food, um, soup and a sandwich, or else they're going to have to be very um, entrepreneurial, I suppose, really, and get in food that they throw into a microwave or throw into but, an oven. But, is, is, but do you understand, Leo? I mean, is, do you think the theory is, because it's very hard to get an official answer on this, that um, pubs where food is served uh, and there's a tradition of that, it is easier to control social distancing than pubs where a drink only is served. Right, absolutely, Joe. Just back, back, back to my initial point here about the clarity of the whole thing, that the guidelines, um, I think, with opening pubs and so forth, like what Carroll says, that he's going to open his pub on Monday morning at 11 o'clock, hell or high water, he's going to open his pub. Like, it's just, it's it's the grey area, Joe, between black and white, as we all, we'll all want to want a different word, we call it that. I mean, is it possible that what really happened here is that 
pubs that held restaurant licenses at the time that there was an intended separation between opening restaurants and cafes and opening all pubs made a very strong argument on their own behalf. The government conceded that, but it left the pubs that don't serve drink out on a limb. Absolutely, Joe, and I totally agree with you there. It left the pub, it left the rural pub, the small local that opened at 8 o'clock at night and closed at 12 o'clock at night, it left them completely out in the limb. I mean, like, the older generation, I suppose, really, um, that people that maybe their sons or their daughters drove them down to a pub, they went in, had their few pints and came home, and that was fine. And that, that environment was totally fine, Joe. But it's just that there's a complete lack of clarity, Joe, between what's out there, the pub owner being very informative to what he has to do. I mean, like, I don't know, could they afford, like, to put up all this perspex, all this social distancing? It's it's mind-blowing, Joe, what they'd have to do. Yeah. Okay, we're chatting uh, to Leo O'Connor, to Helen O'Donnell and to Sharon McMeal on our virtual Friday morning coffee break. Back with more with our guests after this. Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. We're enjoying our Friday morning coffee break uh, with on the line Sharon McMeal, uh, the wedding planner, Helen O'Donnell of, uh, among other things, uh, the Hunt Cafe and the Hunt Museum and Leo O'Connor, uh, known for lots of things, including the odd bit of co-commentary here on Live 95 of uh, top class hurling uh, when we can do that, which hopefully we'll be able to uh, soon again. Uh, Bridget has been in touch to say she knows it's devastating for couples that thought they would uh, get married um, soon, but people shouldn't have expected the whole country to reopen on the 20th of July, especially with people having house parties and drinking on the streets. She says we need to concentrate on the schools reopening and having confirmations and communions running. She says they should do away with off-licences, but she still feels sorry for the publicans and uh, Sharon I mean what are couples going to do now I mean, you know, your um, whole life is built uh, around events uh, and yeah. you're seeing real devastation aren't you Oh we are I mean the, the events industry as a whole is pretty much on its knees I mean there's people who have worked their whole lives in this industry um, who literally the industry disappeared overnight um, and all events were, were called off and we're they, we are worried about, uh, very much worried about it. And when that side of it will come back, like the large scale of events, we are looking at at least a year, if not more, probably, on those kind of scale events. Um, but with the weddings, thankfully, we're starting to see a little bit more of those. They're starting to happen. People are starting to have weddings, even though they're taking them uh, in a different way. So they're scaling them back to maybe having smaller weddings at home or they're doing um, smaller weddings in in the venues around Ireland. So from my point of view, what we're trying to do is, like, we we don't have control over how the, the, the restrictions that the government's put on and stuff like that. We do have control of how we react to it and how people take care of each other and try and give ourselves the best chance to get back to normal. But we also have to... Uh, take control ourselves of what we can and what we're doing with that is looking at different ways of doing the weddings so looking at the live stream options looking at the outdoors like I know Ireland is is, is uh, weather is as unpredictable as COVID um, so we always have to have a plan B even for the weather in Ireland so we need to have a plan B for weddings going forward because there's no guarantee that on the 10th of August, we'll be able to do weddings of over 50 people. So it's a changing landscape all the time. So what we're trying to do is help the couples to make sure that they can put a plan in place 
for what they'd like and then a plan B in place if the changes happen and looking at maybe facilitating stuff outdoors. Like there's great companies all over Ireland who do great marquees and stuff like that with open sides that you can have out in the garden with a bit of covering to protect against that lovely Irish weather. But uh, but that might still give you the chance to still be able to have your wedding with the bigger numbers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Leo O'Connor, among other things, you work in the local media, you know, what are you seeing in terms of small business? How worried are you about that? I'll be honest, Joe, um, I'd be very worried about it. I've worked through the whole um, pandemic, I suppose, really, and I'm one of the lucky ones that has been in the office every day of the week, um, five days a week. So, look, Joe, it has been really, really tough. Um, initially, at the start, from from our point of view, I suppose we were looking at the food side of things because people panic a little bit. And it was because of travel restrictions, it was down to the local supplier. And it, it all changed, and it, it, like, it all stemmed back to a big queue outside on store. But... It, it it has been very, very strange. On a general perspective, Joe, I think people were beginning to get their little bit of confidence back um, in going out and so forth. I mean, like I think, oh, I suppose overall, Joe, it's, to be very cautious about it, it has been very slow. Um, people have been nervous. Even as regards spending money, in particularly my feeling, as regards advertising, people have to be very, very cautious about it. They have to get value for money in what they were advertising, what they were trying to do. There was a load of factors, Joe, hidden factors behind the, the whole situation. I'm obviously based in Clare, based around Ennis. I see it um, on a daily basis where people have been very, very cautious. The hotels have been majorly hit, Joe, because of the closures. Um, and obviously in Helen's business, the wedding, the wedding side of things, even down the whole coast, down down west there, it localised the communities again in a, in a lot of ways, Joe. But overall, people have had to be cautious, and they're they're still they're gradually getting back to confidence that little bit. Well, but, but and do you think that the announcement yesterday will dent that confidence and push it back again? Um, I think it will a small bit, Joe. To be quite honest, um, I just think that. The older generation in particular, and especially Joe as well, with face coverings that people have to wear face coverings now going into shops, going into retail shops. I mean, like if people do not have the perspex, people even working in shops, if they don't have the perspex covering and the two to two two meter social distancing, it's all, it's all, it's nervous for the older generation and for the younger generation. Then if they if they decide, it has to be it has to be really implemented now, Joe, that way people will wear um, the face masks. Yeah. and stuff so that we do get the confidence back. Right. I mean, um, Helen O'Donnell, just on that issue of uh, face masks, already mandatory on public transport and uh, now mandatory and the law will come in to back that up pretty soon in other public spaces, um, mm-hmm. shops and shopping centres. Yeah. What do you think of that? I think it's a necessity, Joe. Um, you know, when you get the COVID test, uh, they check the swab the back of your mouth and you know very high up in your nose, and uh, that's where the virus is. So if you have a face mask and you have COVID and you're unaware of it, which is the case with some people, you're protecting everybody else from giving you know giving it to them, um, and vice versa. You you have less likely to uh, contract it contact it when. Well, the only thing is, Helen. I mean, and I'm sure you've experienced this yourself. I mean, when I've gone into shops. Uh, around Limerick, the compliance levels around um, face mask wearing very low, and even social distancing is a difficulty. It is, and I suppose we're naturally um, it doesn't come naturally to us so people are sort of uh, reluctant 
um, and then they remember, oh, I should be standing, you know, two metres back from you. Um, I think if there's more and more compliance, we would see more and more people coming in this week wearing face masks, obviously taking them off when they have their food. Um, but I think the compliance will, will get better. Uh, I think we'll see, you know, and it, it makes sense on public transport. And, you know, it's it's just, you know, even here in the cafe, everything somebody touches, you have got to sanitize. So the milk jug, the teapot, the table, the chairs, the, you know, you cannot take anything back from a table, uh, like, a, you know, a paper... Um, Paper uh, covered sugar and caution. Yeah, yeah. Everything has to be bent. So, you know, um, whereas, you know, before you put them back in and people, you cannot pick up, you cannot leave cutlery out so people can pick up their own. Everything has to be covered and handed to the customer. So it's created a very strange environment for people. Um, but I think it's safe. It's, um, it'll make people more secure. I know we've had people come in, have a look around, and then say, oh, you know, we'll be back for lunch during the week. They feel comfortable. Yes. They, yes. albeit half our table to share uh, the gun. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's just what makes people feel it comfortable. Is, yeah. It's the kind, kind of research, as you say, that the people are doing now. Um, Sharon McBeal, uh, one other thing that's happened over the last 24 hours, as if they didn't have uh, enough to put up with, the poor Leaving Cert class of 2020 with all the upheaval. Now they're being told you won't get your results until the 7th of September. Oh, I feel like the, the nightmares come back instantly when you start thinking about your time waiting for your leave and search results. Um, it's it's very difficult for the students. I mean, they've kind of missed out on almost a rite of passage by not being able to even sit the, the exams after doing all their study and their work for the last few years. Um, but now having to wait for them for the results again and not knowing for another six weeks, you know, if they're gonna get the college place they wanted, what their grades were going to be. Um, it's very tough for them and, and mentally draining, I would imagine. And like, we need to be very, very careful um, looking after people with every aspect of business and, and of schooling as to the effects that these things are happening. Like they're, they're all being done. We hope for the right reasons, you know, and we'd hope that the, with the delay, it means that the, um, the grades that they're being given are more concrete and more fair. Um, but it does mean that it brings an awful lot of anxiety and stress to the, the, the students and the families. You know, it's very difficult to plan anything for them then with with the colleges and to know what's going to happen for their future. Cause so they're kind of in limbo as well, which is very tough. Yeah, it really is. All right, well, listen, thank you very much for joining us this morning for a virtual Friday morning coffee break. Um, some weighty enough things to talk about, but that's just the way it broke this week with the kind of stories that we um, had and we didn't even get to uh, a ministerial resignation during the week and the appointment of a new minister and all sorts of other things uh, that happened just because it's been uh, so uh, busy this week and especially the impact of uh, the pausing or the setback or whatever you want to call it. Uh, we won't be going into phase four on Monday. Thank you to Sharon McMeal, to Helen O'Donnell and to Leo O'Connor for joining us. Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95.